from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is the good atheist. Man, welcome to the GoodAtheist.net podcast. Well, my name is Jacob Fortan. And I'm, I'm Gertha Hendricks. Well, welcome to the show. And the reason why we begin it so <laughs> annoyingly is because we just finished watching the Hudsucker Proxy before we did the show, and it's still kind of with us. I think that that particular version of, of that voice, the 1950s expression, yeah. the way we did it was probably the most annoying I've ever heard it. Ever. I definitely want to claim the award for most annoying most 50s annoying. intro, and cross your fingers here, most annoying intro of all. Uh, but uh, yeah, essentially that is the most characterized, crappy, not really how people like that talk back then, but this is the same way that per- a person would say like, thy uh, cometh uh, aroundeth uh, thy uh, lovely, lovely lady. Like nobody talked like that. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, with shittiest intro, please vote for the Good Atheist Podcast for Best Atheist Podcast. Well, it's not because the show is good. It's because as of tomorrow, which is today for you, or yesterday for most of you, <laughs> <laughs> it's my birthday. So I get to sort of like just, I'm going to lord that over you. Everybody who's like, I don't know what to do for Jacob's birthday because he keeps asking me for things. And I don't want to give him anything. And I respect that. But uh, you're the bonus members here. Give me a vote. Come on now. I hope that as I trail behind Atheist Experience, I can hope that it's you, my bonus members, who have supported me uh, despite a complete inability to actually witness things in a legit manner. <laughs> I may have to resort to cheating. You don't want that. You, you you want me to win that way, huh, cheating? Come on, guys. I just don't understand how he, he managed to get so many people to vote. Because I feel like, like, I remember listening to Atheist Experience, and that is the most passive podcast. I listen to that's that the whole thing is podcast, talking... I'm just like, I'm just be slowly absorbing information. There's no passion in it, so I don't, I don't ever get excited. I don't think my passion forces uh, people to do anything other than pay for content when I extort it from them. No, here I feel to some degree that it's just a matter of size. Right, mm. where how many people really listen to the good atheist compared to how many people listen to the atheist experience? Uh, probably quite a bit. I mean, they have, they are on cable access television. They have a, a broad reach compared to what I do. It's a very, very broad good point. reach. So uh, even even though they're probably not solicitating and forcing, and in a way, I would say kind of cheating, because if I force people to do it. It it kind of doesn't give a very fair perception of how much people or whether or not it's the best podcast. Just that the members were uh, thoughtless zombies who did as the host commanded. <laughs> so Most please of these be things my th- are just yeah. popularity contest. Please be my thoughtless zombie tonight. Is what <laughs> I'm asking you on my birthday. Come on now, jeez. Jake wants to win prom king. Yeah, never really won prom king. I thought. In my delusion in high school that I'd be voted most likely to not get voted for. And let me tell you how that ended up. They forgot my picture on the graduating wall of graduees, if you want. The the corridor where every graduate has a photo of them somehow forgot me. So that is my most How is that even possible? You're no. so loud. I was very different. I couldn't back forget then. about you if I wanted to. You started and I listening do. to the show yourself. You sought out the noise. Yeah, I didn't okay, sort of like okay. force it on you. But the Jacob Fortan that you passively listen to in your iPod on no. the bus. On the bus. Is it different than the Jacob Fortan who doesn't ever shut up in person? It's a little bit different. Oh, so you get the show like 10 hours a day and you're like, when, do, when can I tune this off? See? She really has it tough, everybody. <laughs> she has to listen to the good atheist all day. Okay, except for the stuff that you do for the show. I mean, you research it. It's really good content. What you tell me is like half-thought-up ideas. Yeah. Look at the dregs. Okay, okay, the people. <laughs> if you want to know what it's like to hang out with Jacob for a day, this is what it is. About, uh, I'd say 20% of the time, 
He's talking about ideas he has for stories. Now, you can't see this, but my fingers are in quotations. Mm, yeah, quotations. Because the ideas that Jacob has for fiction stories are always like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a story that involved a universe that had these elements? Oh, that's great, Jacob. What about the actual narrative or the characters? Yeah, I didn't think about that because I don't care. Oh, what? You know what? Here's the reason I don't like that. I have to supplant my storytelling <laughs> abilities so that some fucking monkey out there can decide, oh, the only way that I can understand content concepts if it's if i experience it through the eyes of another fucking similar simian fuck that noise even understand word world had characters okay (laughs) well that's our problem that's our problem let's why can't we have a story that has no fucking characters why do we always need to interject ourselves into everything in the universe i'd say like take a fucking backseat monkey why don't you take a break why don't you experience the world okay. through not your eyes? Why don't that? you write the world's most boring story where you just I'm describe gonna... a universe and nothing happens, nobody grows the end? It's, it's a fucking new pages. genre. It's a new genre. It's called boring. That's you know what, what the new genre is? If Truman Capote can make a new genre by writing a kind of uh, non-fiction story thing, Majiggy, why can't I just do... I'm a, I'm a, all postmodern. Fuck the story elements where there's someone to experience in it. Order, it is just a thing that I wrote. Read it now. In it's order 100 pages. For people to understand things, you need to give it context. You need to like if you want somebody to remember things about history, you have to tell them about you know what it was oh, like yeah, and about the themselves. People. Be like, what would it have been like for you to be in history? Because it's all about you, isn't it? Huh? That's right. That's how every human being is. It's totally self-interested. Let's read something that's not about us. Huh? For just one I, fucking I love second. how you're like. Damn how people are self-interested. I want to self-interestedly write a story that I I know how to write. Yeah, that's right. And you're listening to a (laughs) self-interested podcast starring me. This is a vanity show. You know why? Because it's my birthday tomorrow. Speaking of vanity shows, what's this topic about for this week? Uh, There's two different topics. The first one is actually going to be, we're going to compare Jacob from the Bible to me. To this Jacob. So we're going to make little comparisons. I'm going to tell you the story of Jacob, and then you're going to just sort of tell uh, tell me if that sounds like something that I would do. Because okay. you know, now you know me pretty well. So you can decide, <laughs> will my story end up being exactly the same as Jacob from the Bible? And we're also going to be talking about a book I recently <laughs> read by Dr. Ben Goldacre called Bad Science. So we're going to review that book. I'm going to tell you all about it before it sort of seeps out of my head and I start reading many other books that I have on my gigantic book list of things to fucking read so first let's 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 go back let's talk about jacob let's talk so about jacob i want to know yeah. where the story about jacob starts i mean like he lives for a really long time right he he actually is interjected in many parts of the bible um well he's actually okay here's the thing jacob is in the bible i think he's genesis chapter 30 to maybe 45 i don't quite remember here's the thing we don't have the internet right now so all my notes Honestly, all my notes are not available, so I'm doing this entirely from memory. So if you think that there's some chapters or parts missing and you're like, Jacob, you suck, this is all memory, folks. All memory. But, uh, yeah, this is still Genesis. So you have to think about, uh, like, Jacob's fairly early on in the story. So you have Abraham. Abraham begets Isaac. Isaac begets Jacob. Okay. So not too many generations, but as far as every Jew is concerned, any serious Jew... Uh, now you secular ones that just pretend like you care. <laughs> but to a serious Jew, Jacob represents the change from a tribe to a people. That's, that's sort of like what's important about Jacob. But the thing about Jacob, all right, and this is what's going to make this part of comparing us so delightful, is that Jacob is a piece of shit. All right? In many ways, he's a piece of shit, a liar and a deceiver, you know? Uh, and it's also quite hilarious when you start reading about the way that Jacob is treated in the Bible, the way that he's interpreted uh, by Jews uh, who basically take the, 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 the stories of Genesis and their entire culture is just based, at least on their interpretation of what happens in the Bible, what that means to them, so on and so forth. Okay, right? so let's start with, I mean, all the names in the Bible are in somehow way significant. So what is the name Jacob, Jacob. mean? Okay, well, Jacob means leg puller. Actually, um, so it has a double entendre, right? Leg puller meaning liar, but leg puller also because in the story, when he's born, he's a twin of Esau's brother Esau, who comes out first, and Jacob is apparently holding on to his leg to come out. Now that's supposed to be a symbolic thing, right? Where where Jacob is the younger, and throughout 
all of the stories, at least the first um, stories of Jacob, everyone makes a big deal about the younger that's going to rule over the older one, which is a kind of like a complete change of tradition, right? Um, now, I've read a lot of interesting things about the, the, you know, some of the aspects of the Jacob and Esau story, meaning being um, much older than the Bible itself, all right? Because here's the thing. Jacob is smooth skin. He doesn't have a lot of hair. So right away, we, we, we conclude that that's only half true. I, I'm somewhat hairy. A bit hairy, you would say? Well, in one area, you're getting less hairy. Ouch. Okay, so... My balding friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, and below the belt, so yeah. Um, I'm not yeah, as quite as hairless. You look at yourself every day in the mirror. You don't know. Should I just reveal something about yourself? It happens in slow-mo, though. You'd never, you'd never <laughs> notice. Anyways... Esau is very, very hairy, while Jacob is relatively smooth, like completely smooth. Uh, and Esau is the hunter and the sportsman. So very manly. Very manly, very, you know, sort of... A guy's guy. A guy's guy. But more than that, actually, in some say that the story is much older, part of oral tradition, where it represents kind of the change between man as a Neanderthal savage to man as a sort of civilized, smooth-skinned version. This is, this is, look, I'm telling you about what people say. And, you know, you could give me a little smirk me and what you're talking about. But let's remember just the historiosity of the Bible, if you want. How is it written? Who wrote it? And what was it about, right? It's a mythology, sure. And why wouldn't you have a mythology about a wild man, right? And a, and, and a smooth skin, someone who was born of sort of like the new, the new human, right? Jacob is the smooth skin. He rises up. Esau services him. Maybe there's a kind of element of that that's a very older oral tradition dating back to maybe us and Neanderthals. I'm just going to put that out there. I feel like that's, that a, that's a uh, very Victorian interpretation on an earlier written work where if you, if you notice there's a lot of that happening uh there, I bet you nobody really starts talking about that, that until the Victorian age because they reinterpreted a lot of information. So Let's maybe assume that it was written without that intention, and maybe that idea was later implanted. Because in my opinion, it doesn't really make sense that you would write a kind of evolution story-ish into the Bible before we really understood that concept. But I'm not suggesting that the authors are writing about something that they consciously are aware of. What I'm suggesting is that there are certain narratives that are fairly common, like say the story of Sasquatch, okay, as an, as an example. We're not to take the story literally, and we're also not to take it that the idea of Sasquatch is somehow the first inklings of evolution, but it's just, it just seems to at least represent the fact that human beings have a kind of connection, a strange connection to sort of like this wilder past, right, this beast man, someone who lives outside of the periphery of civilization. And you have to wonder if this is not sort of like a common theme, as we ourselves had done the exact same thing. To say that perhaps there's not sort of like this tinge present, I think is is being profoundly unaware of the cultural narratives that are perhaps unconscious. But I'm just going to go on, because this is a story about Jacob, and this is not a story about collective unconscious. So we just have to fucking okay, go on. I'm just saying it seems a little bit more likely that the story is just was you know written as a as a narrative passed down yeah, from yeah. generation to generation. Yeah, yeah. We're this, aware of this, this whole higher end intellectualizing of the story probably started in the Victorian age when we were like, oh well, now we're all very posh and calm. All and right, well I would I would say that it would not be without further research saying probably is a little unfair. Let's move on and let's talk about. Um, okay, so it means leg puller. That's what Jacob means. So here's the. We're never gonna get through this story. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long show. <laughs> Can't believe you think we can get through two topics. You're very ambitious. It'll yeah. Be a four and a half hour show. It's a very. Okay. People are waiting for us to go eat. Can I continue now without the without you weighing that on me? It's like, oh, we have guests, Jacob. Speed up this show. No, no, no. 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 That's oh, not what I'm is suggesting. It, that's not what you're suggesting at all. No. If it's a two hour show, then it's a two hour show because you know what? Birthday show. I get to pull the birthday card. For at least another day. At least another day. So close to it. I'm doing that right now to get people to vote for the show. So here's the thing about Jacob. So let's let's review. Jacob is more of the scholar. Esau is more of the sportsman. Now, in this regard, I share something in common with Jacob. Because my father was somewhat of a hunter, an outdoorsman, 
Um, I would say he's a fairly educated man, but he has kind of a more profound appreciation for nature, right? He's outdoorsy. Well, Jacob was intense. They're always just making that comment. He lived, he was always in the tents. It's, a, it's assumed that he was either reading or masturbating. Not quite sure which one. <laughs> either way, we'd share a lot in common. <laughs> but the point is, Jacob is a kind of scholar, right? So Isaac, his father, you, I wouldn't say that he's necessarily disappointed by him, but Esau's the golden boy. And, you know, physical prowess will do that for him. But in the way that, at the same time, it appears that Jacob had a very clever mother. Um, one, of the, one of the passages that alludes to what will happen in the future, say, the encounter of a soothsayer by the mother. Um, and, the, and, and when the mother encounters this soothsayer, she says that the, um, while she's pregnant with the twins, she says that the younger will serve the older. This is something that's been, that is essentially told before their birth. But you realize, in a sense, this is just to serve a particular purpose. Some fucking beguiling is afoot. <laughs> and let me describe to you how, okay? When he's a teenager, Jacob tries to trick Esau into trading his birthright for a bowl of porridge at the grandfather's funeral. So he just sort of subtly being like, oh, I'll give you this bowl of porridge if you trade me your firstborn right. To which Esau's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Because who's going who's gonna to say, yes, we have a deal, right? <laughs> Give me the fucking food, right, you prick? So this is one of the ways that everyone's like, well, he already had wanted from Esau. He had used his cunning. I'm like, he didn't use his cunning. He was a little prick bitch who tried (laughs) to trick somebody. And then later, Isaac essentially becomes blind. And and just as he's about to die, because everybody knows this old man's going to fucking croak. They say, well, we need to get the ceremonial meats or whatever. I guess people eat meat when they die. (laughs) Whatever the fuck that's about. They need to kill something alive constantly, these Jews, all the fucking time. You're like, I'm just, I'm about to do something. Can something fucking die right now? I'd appreciate that. Somehow it's going to make everything uh, hunky goddamn dory. I think it's that whole, like, last grasp at life. You know, if I got to go, I'm taking a bunch of cows and chicken with me. Yeah, take that fucking cow down with me, man. I'm not going alone. Fry it all up. Fry it all up. Shove it in my face hole. I'll just lie in it. Mm. I want to be responsible for lots of death before I die. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that'll happen once my bowels are sort of like lifted too. Lots of things will die, <laughs> probably fall from the sky. But yes, so Esau is sent to get out some meat. So all of a sudden, Jake's mom realizes this is the time to act. So she lets him know that she had a prophecy, who she's not told anyone till now. <laughs> hmm, that sounds suspicious. But yeah, she's like, don't worry, we're going to deceive your dad and you're going to receive the blessings in the place of Esau. All we got to do is put this wool skin on you so he thinks you're super fucking hairy on your back and on your arm. And then we're just going to fucking lie. Bold face lie. That's what we're going to do. And I'm going to absorb your sin, by the way, because as a man, you you can't sin. That's it's not, it's not really something you do. You sin, but you pass it on to the lady next to you and you're <laughs> fine, right? You're like, oh, no, I did bad. You absorbed that of me. Thank you so much. Oh, so that female. explains the killing of the raped women. That explains it. Right. Hide kind of the a, evidence. Sweep it under the rug. Well, the, you're like, somebody had to die. Might as well be the females because they're worth less. Uh, not worthless, but worth less, which is what they basically see it as. And uh, that's that's the attitude of religion. But that's another topic for another show. <laughs> So, yeah, she decides to take the burden of, like, I'm going to take away the burden. Because you have to understand, too, is imagine that right now the founder, the father of Israel, if you want, is about to lie and cheat his way into his inheritance. This is this man. This is what's happening right now. And that's what he does. So he walks in the tent. Esau's gone. Jacob's like, who's there? He says, Esau's there. And he's like, well, you sound a lot like Jacob. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, no, I'm Esau. Whoa, there's a big fucking lie. <laughs> so next he's like, hmm, you smell kind of funny. You smell a bit like Jacob. It sounds like the Big Bad Wolf story. It's a little bit Big Bad Wolfy, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, Isaac's no fucking idiot, right? So he's like, you stink like my son, because I guess they didn't have soap or water, so everyone has that pungentness that separates them from the other animals. Pleasant. Yep, I can smell you. This is my favorite part of the story so far. It's like, I can smell you, and your balls smell like Jacob's balls. <laughs> And uh, and Jacob's like, no, no, it's it's me, old Esau here. And uh, he wonders. He's like, well, you you were gone so shortly to go get like to go hunt down this animal that needs to die for me. Uh, what's up with that? 
Another lie, Jacob's like, oh, well, God blessed me so much that uh, he gave me that, that, that animal. I didn't even need to go, like, hunt it out too much. It just jumped in my arms, clubbed it with a seal, like a, like a seal. It was done. Wow, <laughs> we're blessed, Father. Lord is mighty. All right, started to get some pretty fucking serious lying going on. You got to remember at the time, everybody's scared to death that if you say Jehovah rather than Adonai, which is what the Jews called God back then, to not use his name but use his name, yeah, it gets like that. So you can imagine now that he's 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 essentially lying about what God did. This is a fucking lying, like right off. You're like, this is a huge deal. And he's just, and, and then finally Isaac's convinced, gives the blessing onto him, it's done. Esau comes back and he's like, what the fuck happened, right? Kneels down to the father and he's like, I've arrived with this whole dead animal now for you to, I don't know, covet or some shit. <laughs> Give me my blessing. He's like, oh, what's going on? He's shocked, right? Even in the Bible it says he's trembling, he's shaking. He just realizes he's been fucking tricked, right? Holy shit, I've been tricked. So he's like, I can't. It's done. There were witnesses, I guess. The mother. That, that yeah, that's right. Mm. She's there. And, uh, and now Jacob must, now Jacob inherits the tribe. He is the new paterfamilias. And, uh, Esau's basically like, I'm gonna kill this motherfucker. <laughs> right? Who can blame him? Who can fucking blame him? So, Jacob's mother says, you hey, need to second, go. Wait a second, I have a question. Right. Why doesn't Esau just be like, hey God, this, my brother's an asshole, smite his ass. Couldn't that just, that makes sense. You gotta understand though, up until this point, God has not communicated with any of these individuals. This is All just right. shit that's happening, right. right? The, the, the God communication happens in a little bit. We'll get to that, but right. there is, there is no real God intervention unless you buy into the mom's story that a soothsayer told her exactly what would happen, when really she just kind of like made it up and like, oh yeah, some toothless old lady told me this would happen. So God willed it. Bam, that's how I fucking rolled that shit up. I, I covered my intense betrayal <laughs> with, with this vain idea of prophecy. God wanted it to happen, so therefore it's okay that we lie through our teeth. Yeah, you're going to find out a lot of this, actually. More on that at near the end of our story. But right. before we complete, we need to go back here. So we have a big bad wolf situation. Right. You, be, you get better get the fuck out of town, Jacob. Esau's going to kill you. And, you know, what are you going to do? You're a scholar. You're a nerd. Get the fuck out of town. So she's like, hi to my uncle's place. So he goes there. Goes to the uncle's place, and he's got three daughters. One of them is really fucking hot, and he wants to, uh, you know, go into her. I mean, it's pretty much what he says right there, like constantly, by the way. It's just only like, I want to penetrate her. Can I, can I? He basically goes to his uh, un- great uncle, I guess soon to be father-in-law, and says, I want to I wanna fuck that bitch. <laughs> what can we do about that? Right? Well, so, he's up front. I respect that. He's, uh, he knows what he wants. He falls in love with his uh, second or first cousin. I forget how that works. I don't know. And uh, basically he wants to get it on. So I believe, I think, I think his great uncle's name is Laban, but don't, I mean, again, I'm going from memory here. And, uh, he makes a deal. He's like, well, why don't you work for me for seven years as a goat herder and then you can marry my daughter? So Jacob says, yes. And the Bible makes kind of like a thing about, oh, I was like nothing, right? Seven years passed and it was like no big deal. He's still a young man by this time. He's got to learn a profession of some fucking kind. And in this time, it's assumed at least that he learns how to breed sheep and that kind of stuff. It's not a bad job. It's not like somebody's just going to instantly pay you. And at the end of it, you get to have someone who's going to basically father your kids and who's got like a pretty tight ass. So I think back then, seven years would have been like, yeah, no big deal. I'll learn, I'll learn a new trade. Might come out with it with some fucking sheep that I can herd for myself. And that's the economy. All right. You're growing your economy. It's not like somebody's coming around just distributing gold for, uh, you know, selling old watches or something like that. You gotta have a trade. So, sheep herding is the shit back then. So, if you read uh, most Jewish literature, they'll say, oh, Jacob excelled at this and he was really good and he had a fine understanding of how to breed animals after the seven years. So, seven years come up and it's time for him to lay into his woman 
Although his his uncle slash, I guess, future father-in-law tricks him. And actually, it's the sister, the older sister, that sort of like sneaks into bed and, I guess, does the business with him. No candles around there, so it's pretty dark. That kind of shit can happen. So he wakes up. He's feeling betrayed. I'm like, oh, it doesn't feel so good, huh, to be tricked, fucking trickster. So he's a little pissed. He's like, what the hell? So the... The the great uncle says, I'll make you a new deal. You work another seven years, and you can have all the daughters. So he decides that, yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fine. I'll do it. And so he, he sets about. Now, during this time, a very interesting thing happens. We're going to go on a tangent talking not about Jacob, but about his wives. We're going to fucking gossip shit, all right, about these two. Because there's Leah and there's Rachel. These Wait, are the saying, two. Wasn't there three? Yes, but the third one's never seems to be discussed. So I don't know uh, if she had any children or what the fuck happened to her, but no one gives a shit about probably the Probably one, one of those fade into the background kind of gals. Yeah, you know, like the librarian chick fades into the background kind of like stereotype that we have all in her our, our heads. You yep. know what I mean? Like the sort plain Jane girl. Beige. Oh, yeah. Always beige. Always like the beige same color as the wall. <laughs> <laughs> She's the ultimate camouflage. See right through her. Okay, so we got the hottie and, like, the vixen who's like, yeah, I will sneak in there. And well, this is the thing about... Is she a chubby? Like, why didn't he want her? She, well, if you look at most of the paintings, she seems a bit chubby. She's, they, she's called Tender Eye, which for me would probably indicate that she's nice. All right. But she's not, like, super hot. All right. Okay? So what's happening in this meantime, though, is Leah, who's the older one, is popping out kids like you would not believe. And guess what? They're all fucking boys. All of them have dicks. So the whole household is like, we are blessed. We are truly fucking blessed. No girls. <laughs> Did I mention that women are property? Let's move on here. You understand them. Non-propertyed human beings are being born. Yay! Because every time a girl is born, you're going to lose money. So all of a sudden, she's popping out like son after son after son. Now, Rachel, barren. She's more loved. And by love, I think we both know it means penetrate. She's being penetrated more by uh, by Jacob. But mm. unfortunately, God is not kind to her. Still, Rachel is hated. And in the Bible, it says that God saw that she was hated, so she opened up her womb. So Jacob hates her, resents her, because he has to work another seven years. But God decides to give him a lot of sons through her. I think six is the amount of sons that she has uh, like near the end. It's a lot. So what Rachel does, she gets jealous. So she says to Jacob, you can have my slave girl. So fuck my slave girl, and I'm just going to I'm just gonna keep the kid. So Jacob fucks the slave girl, makes another boy. All right? So she's like, I've been blessed. I have a son now. Because you got to remember, this is multiple wives, right? The women want to have some kind of power. Rachel is more loved, but Leah has all the boys, all the kids, right? So, this is a power struggle happening between these two sisters who want all the attention, all the power is basically what they want to have. Does anybody else feel bad for this slave girl? It's like, what, now I have to give, I have to pop out a kid? I'm gonna rape you, yeah, I'm gonna rape you, slave girl, this is not an option. And then, and then steal your child. Pretty much. It's a big deal. Yeah, you probably play the wet nurse too, but uh, you don't get to have it. You do not get to have it. So, that's the circumstance. Now, Leah gets a, gets word of this, and she offers her slave girl to Jacob as well. So now he's got two slave girls working and he gets, guess what? Two more sons from that slave girl. And then he ends up having like a shitload more kids with Leah who just keeps getting more pregnant. She gets hold, like apparently one of her sons finds Mandrake, which I guess around there is essentially the equivalent of Viagra. So she finds some Viagra and Rachel wants this, right? But then well, they have a little bit of a cat fight. This is like one of those, yeah, like desperate house, housewives moment here where they fucking both meet. And she's like, give me that fucking Viagra. And you're like, you took my husband. You want to take my Viagra as well? So Rachel cuts her deal. She says, I take your Viagra and tonight Jacob's going to fuck you. That's the deal that struck. Bam, another kid. Rachel gets her Viagra. Mm. And then eventually she gets pregnant too. After two more sons... Or one more son from the slave girl, and then finally she gets one. That one son, Joseph, is going to be an important name to remember near the end of the story. But he's born, and that's the son that Jacob really wanted. The one from the hot one. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Hot one gets a son, and then all of a sudden she's like, I'm the one who's truly blessed. I'm queen of the bitches. So that's how that rolls out. Okay, so now we're supposed to compare this to your life. Is that... 
Well, that's a little bit tougher, but let's just examine the kind of behavior that he's that Jacob has had so far. So, number one, he doesn't seem to care who he's having sex with. As far as he's concerned, he's just sort of like the the women out there are 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 the ones that decide what he's fucking, and that's just what he's fucking tonight. It's, I I think that's very similar. Yeah. To you, you think that you think that if I would have my own cult uh, and my multiple wives, this is what would be happening? Would would I accept uh, this, or would I have a kind of moral problem? Think about it. Think about it. Would I be able to accept this kind of life? My well, personal. except for the rape and the baby making. Right. I, I think you'd be pretty cool with it. I think if I think if it was just cool with everybody, if it was in an environment where I was like, whatevs, we're all cool with it, you'd be like, all right, I'll fuck you, no problem. Right. The beginning part where it really talks about all the women getting pregnant, Jacob just seems like he's the baster. Is basically what he sounds like. He's just non-existent other than the one who's fucking everything. Which is probably why this part of the story never really makes it to the ch- children's illustrated Bible. <laughs> but hey, some fucking has to happen so you have some kids. That would be a great little image. Like, you know, him fucking somebody and like the raping this slave girl in the room with, while the babies cry in the next room and the other women line up at the door anxiously. Be like, oh, is he going to fuck me? <laughs> My turn. My turn. I want more babies because more babies mean more power. <laughs> Okay, no, 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 so no, 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 the right babies. The right babies, because you have yourself some girls, which Leah has one girl, and we'll talk about her soon. She'll okay. be also in the story later on. So so the baby making is done. Now you get to grok a little bit about what the girls in the whole relationship are doing. So Jacob so far has a shitload of kids, and now he wants out. It's been seven years, right? It's time to fucking move on. It's been 14 years. Well, it's been 14 years. So now it's time for him to move on. So he wants to just sort of like go make his fortune. So now he does what is essentially, I guess, probably his biggest heist. You know, it's like be one of the if you were watching Ocean's Eleven, this is what the soundtrack you would have to what he's about to pull now as the fucking deceiver. All right. So basically, Danny Ocean makes a deal (laughs) with his uh, father-in-law slash great uncle. And he tells him that he's going to take like when he leaves. He's going to take a certain percentage of the flock, right? This is sort of, sort of like, this is the deal that's made, that, that's been arranged. He's had the daughters. He's like, I've taken your oldest one who's a bit busted, but, uh, I had sex with her and I made plenty of sons, so your line can go on and it can be all good. <laughs> so I've blessed you and everybody's being like, wow, how we've been blessed by this man who has given us sons. So he's like, I'm going to take some shit with me. So I'm going to take these sheep. So they make a deal. So they're like, okay, mating season's about to happen. And so they're about to start breeding him. And he says, every sheep that's spotted, I'm going to keep for myself. So apparently he's learned a couple tricks. Tricks which, by the way, are definitely scientifically bogus. Here's what he does. He takes a bunch of birch trees, kind of uh, um, uh, plants that have spots on them, and he puts them near the drinking fountain so that the sheep can look at it when they have sex. They look at this these trees, these spotted trees, while they were fucking. And because of that, the Bible says that they're, all the healthy sheep were born with spots. And uh, that's how he basically tricked his uncle by using bad science. Uh, so much trickery. <laughs> I, love how, I love how, you know, five minutes ago you were like, well, I think that the hairiness is, you know, representative of the evolution towards sure. from ape man and then you're like but also the science of the watching spotted things i wasn't saying that those kinds of anal- uh, the, 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 those allegories were scientific just that they may be part of a broader human narrative and if that doesn't sound beautiful when i just when it came out of my mouth you're a closed-minded intellectual uh-huh. in your face uh-huh <laughs> i think i'm I think I'm the scully in our relationship. Yeah. That's what I think this is. I'm like, is that what that is? I think you're full of crap, Jacob. I uh, didn't invent this. I decided that I crap. was going to just say it and then let the let the listeners decide if that made sense or not. You 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 were for and wrong, and I was I mean against and wrong, and I was for and right. We can leave it at that. <laughs> Let's move on with the story of Jacob, right? And his cocksuckery. <laughs> okay. No, there's no correlation there. But uh, unlike Jacob, I would say that, number one, I am not a thief, all right? Because that is just, imagine if you really did have the technique, the ability, the know-how to separate the flock and say, I'm going to take the best one. I'm going to take the bigger piece of the pie. This guy is a jerk, right? He's now rich because he's a jerk. Of course, his, um, the, the, the father's son, so his brothers-in-law kind of clue in 
to that fact that they're not very happy. So what does Jacob do? He steals away into the night. He just leaves. How do you just leave you with, just like, with like, with <laughs> like, yeah, right, right. Like the whole troop, the whole fucking family leaves in the cover of night. So yeah, under like 40 kids, three, three wives, two slave girls, and a partridge and a pear tree. 12 kids, five wives, and a shitload of uh, sheep, all the good ones, and some goats, and some camels, and things like that. So it's like a. These are some heavy sleepers. Fucking, yeah. <laughs> I imagine, though, that a fucking farm of that size probably makes a lot of goddamn noise. So, what's the difference between some sheep while they're just meh for no reason? Because they're like, hey, food, shut up, creature. There's no food now. But, you know, they still make noises. I think you're mistaking sheep for cats. I think that any animal that becomes accustomed to certain food-eating ritual demands the ritual just when they're hungry, not just when the food comes. It's like, hey, 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 what? Give me food. No. <laughs> you don't need it. You're just going to poop it out, and it's going to be expensive for me. Stop eating. Okay, so unlike the Jacob in the Bible, you're shitty to animals. There's a difference? There's a difference. I don't think I could do the whole breeding thing. So, yes, Jacob steals into the cover of night to basically get away from this. Unfortunately for him, see, he would have probably gotten away with it, except for his wife, Rachel. I don't know why. Maybe it's spite. Maybe it's anger. Don't even ask me why. She steals the teraphim, which is essentially the the, the good luck charm or the family idol uh, from the house. So she now has the sacred family heirloom superstitious nonsense that everybody has in the house they're like this is the power of the family has kept in this thing whatever so his father-in-law slash great uncle because i'm always going to use that it's important to make that distinction <laughs> decides to track him down and uh, he gets a he has a nightmare he's a weird nightmare god now speaks speaks directly to him to his great uncle slash father-in-law and says you should not say any bad things about Jacob. So don't badmouth Jacob when you fucking talk to him and you confront him about what the hell he's done. So because God basically says don't fucking, don't rock the boat. <laughs> Alrighty. Alright, so he shows up, he meets up with Jacob, he catch up, and then he has the conversation, right? But he's playing the wounded father-in-law by this point. He's just like, oh, please, you know, like, you stole my teraphim and all this other blah, blah, blah. So Jacob declares, he's like, this is outrageous. I shall put to death anyone who has stolen the teraphim. So he makes this declaration. He's the pot of familiars. He gets to decide. He's like, I'm going to kill whichever motherfucker stole this. All right. So now they're searching all the tents because they're living in tents, people. And they get to Rachel's tent. She's sitting on it. She's put it right underneath her. There's no place to hide now. So right when they can say, like, can you stand up? And she's like, I can't. I'm on my period. And everyone's like, whoa. And she gets away with it. And then basically the father-in-law slash great uncle goes on his way. The teraphim is never sort of talked again. Although everyone says that it is soiled by both her lies and her potential menstrual blood. This is also to bring more shame she was able to keep men away with the prospect that her vagina was bleeding. It's a good trick, actually. It is kind of a good trick, especially sorry, back then. I yeah. can't do the dishes. I'm on my period. <laughs> I like the way that sounds. Well, men were supposed to stay away I'm sorry, I can't pay you this parking ticket. I'm on my period. You know what? It works on everything. Oh, boy. I've, un I've created a monster. Hmm. So this is how Rachel avoids death, because otherwise she would have been killed. and It would have been, been a weird part of the Bible. So, okay, father-in-law leaves, and now it's time for the family to now make a new home. So he decides he's going to head back to basically to where his family is, right? So he's going to head back home. So he starts his little caravan, but then he gets word that Esau's got like 400 guys ready to kill him like it ain't nobody's business. So, yeah, he's kept a grudge after 14 years. He hasn't forgotten because guess what? You fucking... You, you took his inheritance. <laughs> Someone's going to get pissed off. So what Jacob decides to do is like, I'm going to divide the party up into two different pieces. So if he comes up to one and slaughters everyone or all my goods, at least I'll save half of it. Uh, so he sends the, the servants and the children first, and then he comes back for the goods. So presumably the goods are more important. <laughs> And once he sort of like caravans off the goods, he's left alone for a while with his family towing in front, by the way, at this point of the story. So 
rather than make this look like a cowardly act, this is the time for him, who is now alone and sleeping outside, to have a prophetic dream. Ah. Which he dreams of a ladder, which he climbs, Jacob's Ladder, that famous, like, Climbing Jacob's Ladder. No, never heard that terrible song. Huey Lewis in the news. It's awful. But yes, he climbed Jacob's ladder. He climbs Jacob's ladder, and there he encounters God, ah. who tells him that his that he's going to prosper over the land. It's going to be his. God's going to be with him, and that his sperm, his jizz, will permeate the land, filling it with folks that look and think somewhat like him, but are somewhat removed. And when you think I'm just being grotesque with my analogy. I'm not. They're talking about sperm here. <laughs> Your seed, that's what that is. Your sperm will fertilize the land of people. Mm. And uh, and so Jacob, when he wakes up, he's like, wow, this is amazing. So he takes his stone pillow, makes a pillar out of it, calls the place Bethel, even though it's like a town nearby that has a completely different name. It's just like saying, this town shall be known as Jacobia today. <laughs> In that way, you are very similar. Yeah. I can <laughs> see you totally doing that if you thought you'd get away with it. Uh, this is now Jake, Jakeville. Jakeville. And we celebrate my birthday every month on the 28th. 28th. The whole world celebrates that day. Whole world. Well, there's nothing else to celebrate. It's perfect. Yeah? Celebrate the 28th of February. Hey, this show is going up free for member for freebie members. So I'm giving everybody a birthday on Jacob Day. Jacob yeah, Day, you got a free I'm, show. I'm pretty sure your listener base does not even touch the span of the world. But but your hubris is is, is admirable. Right, it's very much like Jacob. So he has this <laughs> dream where apparently God tells him, you're supposed to own everything and be the man. So he comes back down and he anoints. He anoints. He pours oil. All right, this is important here. He pours fat on this rock that was his pillow. And he's like, I will, if, if you fulfill your end of the bargain, I will kill many an animal on this Anointed rock, oh vengeful God. <laughs> so let's move on. So finally, he gets to the head of the pack, and then Esau arrives, and he's got like his little army band. But the uh, the goods apparently arrived before the people, and he's appreciative of this fact. So uh, now everyone's really happy. They make peace, and they're like, we're gonna we're gonna meet up. He sets up a meeting point, which he never shows up to, by the way. <laughs> never shows up there. Uh, but he's like, yeah, let's meet there. And I kind of don't blame him for that one line. Be like, yeah, brother, who's just riding on a high, who may decide at any fucking moment to cut my head off and say, like, what happened? My sword fell. Oh, no, I'm the now the chieftain of all these goods that you've brought over. Yeah. He makes the wise decision on this one, decides to leave. So he, for the next little while, he becomes a little bit, like, uh, nomadic. Um, they get to this one area. I can't remember the name because I don't have my notes on me. Uh, it starts with an S, but it doesn't really matter. But there's a lot of Canaanites that live around. So at one point, one of his kids, one of his daughters, actually, is out doing something. We're assuming gathering or whatever. It doesn't matter. So a local warlord spots her, and he wants her. So he does the normal male thing around that time as he kidnaps and rapes her. So the the brothers, so the sons of Jacob, they hear about this. They're not too pleased. Uh, but in the name of Jacob, which means that without the father's know-how, they strike a deal with the guy. Because basically this warlord chieftain, he rapes her and he kidnaps her, yeah. But all of a sudden he's like, I really kind of like her and I want this to be <laughs> legit, right? Uh, so he offers. And he hasn't already fucked up that opportunity. She's like, you know, I did get raped, but it was kind of hot. Well, here's the thing. I mean, by then it really doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> because it's never mattered, but that, that's that's another point altogether. Um, so this is not really a big deal, the fact that he's done though this. But the, well, the, what makes it a big deal is that he's a foreigner; he's not Jewish, and this is a big problem, right? Of course, he's trying to say, why don't we? Why don't your family join my family? You can rape my daughters. You can just do whatever the fuck you want with them. Again, no choice here. So you can have them as your cattle. I mean, uh, the thing that you have sex with and produces babies for you. So let's have a peace treaty, which at the time, and considering the, considering what he was offering, is not a bad deal, right? But they're xenophobic, and they want nothing to do with other tribes. In fact, Jacob had been commanded by Isaac on his deathbed not to marry any foreign chicks, <laughs> all right? <laughs> do not fucking marry. Very clear about that. So 
they decide that they're, they're, the sons have learned from the father, so they decide to deceive this warlord man. And they say, you have yourself a deal, but the trade-off is you have to cut the skin off your penis. You have to snip it because this is our covenant. So you've got to get rid of your scrum. And these are all grown men here. They agree. Now let's think about this, okay? He must really like this chick. He wants peace. He decides that that is fair. He makes all his men cut off the skin of their penises. And while they're in tremendous pain, these two brothers slaughter them all. They kill them, and then they rape the, the, the women, and then they keep the children as slaves. So that's what they do. That's okay. their covenant. <laughs> I was okay, going to make some yeah. kind of joke there about how that's like you, but I'm like, that's not even, there's no humor. There's no humor in that act. Although, to be fair, Jacob says, what the fuck? You screwed <laughs> things around here. Now we got to move again. So they move again. Now, I, I believe they get to one part. I believe it's Hebron. They get to Hebron, and all of a sudden, I guess it's time to settle down. And by then, Joseph, who this is where we're rounding out the story of Jacob, because by now he's he's almost 100, a little bit over. Because uh, he doesn't live as long as you'd think he lives. He doesn't live like Methuselah or Noah or any of these other guys. No, he lives, uh, he doesn't, he lives like maybe 180 years or 160 years. I forget how much. But so he's quite old by then, and uh, Joseph's favorite even makes him a coat of many colors. You know the whole Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat musical? Yeah, that's a Bible story. That's not just them inventing Joseph having a color of a coat. He did! He had a very gay coat. And his brothers were all very, very jealous of the very gay coat. So when some Egyptians were passing by, they decided, we're going to sell uh, Joseph over to these Egyptians. So they do. They take the coat and they smear it with animal blood and uh, rip it all to shreds. Show it to Jacob and be like, oh, no, some beasts ate Jacob, I mean, uh, J- Joseph. Some beasts ate him. Oh, your favorite son. He's dead. <laughs> so Jacob mourns. He's like, ah, he probably probably takes like 20 years off his life. <laughs> uh, and meanwhile, just on a sort of side note, Joseph goes to, he has his own little adventure, which is, I actually recommend the musical because you'll get to understand what happens. And it's a fair assessment of what happens. It's just with some music by Andrew Lloyd Webber, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, actually, the film's pretty watchable. It's decent. Yeah, I watched the one with da- Danny Osmond. Yeah. The one you saw? It's, yeah. It's pretty good. pretty good. It's pretty good. Anyways, so he basically starts interpreting people's dreams. So uh, witchcraft and uh, Sue's saying, you know the stuff that they say in the Bible you're not supposed to do and you're supposed to stone someone if they do it? That's what he's doing. That wasn't, not at this point. Not at this Well, yeah. God well, changed that's his true. mind. That's true. This is Genesis. This is before the law's... Of uh, yeah. Leviticus and Deuteronomy come into effect, so there's they're a, a, they're experimenting right now with mm. lots of crazy shit. And God's still thinking, is it okay? I don't know if I'm gonna make this not okay. I think it's okay, but later we'll burn people for it. But right now, it's okay. Yeah, it's G- fine. Gay coats are okay. Gay coats and uh, fortune telling are okay, but we, but in the future, those both those things will be death. You know what? He's just playing it by ear. He's just playing about you right now. He's like, I haven't quite decided where the sand farm's going to go. I might just sort of like shake it up, kill everyone, and just start over. But I'm not sure yet. I'm just going to see what the fuck happens. So, yes, Joseph is soothsaying, interpreting people's dreams. And it just happens that around that region, a famine arrives. And Joseph uh, just happens to have made a random prediction of someone's dream that... That, that, that convinced the Pharaoh to store food in a granary, which just ended up being awesome for them as this seven year famine hits and everybody is starving to death and Egypt is just fucking making tons of money. So he goes from being slave boy to basically being a vizier. So back at Jacob's camp, everybody's getting pretty fucking hungry. So Jacob's like, I got some money, go over to Egypt, buy a shitload of grain. Cause everybody says that Egypt is like, all right. So they go over and they they interact with the local vizier once they get to uh, Egypt. Now the vizier is actually their brother who looks so different and by now they're not allowed to look at him in the face because he's a man of power. And uh and then all of a sudden he chastises them. It's revenge time. Woo! So he throws them in jail, calls them spies, uh says that uh you know like that he's going to execute them, basically just scares the shit out of them. Basically what we all wanted to do to our high school bullies. Right. And then manages to somehow uh, get them to confess the fact that they had a younger brother that they sold into slavery. So he just basically wants them to admit it. He sends them back, sends them packing 
with the food, but also with the gold. So he gives them back their money. So when the sons come back and Jacob learns what happened, he starts freaking out. And then he sees that they haven't paid for any of the grains. So he doubly freaks out. He's like, oh, my God, you just went to fucking Egypt. You got arrested and you took all these goods and you didn't give them any money. We're going to fucking die. So he's like, I'm going to send you back and you're just going to pay double the next time we have this this grain that we need. And you're going to bring the younger brother, which is basically Joseph's full brother, Benjamin, I believe. So they all leave. And the second time they meet, he's still, Joseph's still being all kind of like, oh, you don't know who I am. Bam. Yeah, I'm a vizier, blah, blah. But finally breaks down, admits to who he is. And the family have a very uncomfortable slash tearful moment <laughs> where you're like, oh, so happy you're alive. Oh, my God. <laughs> we sold you into slavery. What the fuck has happened? So being the very creative and diplomatic people that they are, they uh, Joseph decides that this was actually Adonai's, because remember, can't say Jehovah, this is Adonai's way of uh, essentially, th- this is what he wanted, so it was good that he sold him in the, 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 that he was sold into slavery, so he forgives his brothers, and now Jacob, uh, he convinces his father, Jacob, to move to um move over to Egypt because it's the, the the only place that you can still farm land and shit like that. And your cattle won't die. So he moves there. And this is pretty much at the, but by the point that he's moved, I think that now he's like 160 or something like that. I don't quite remember his age, but by then he's pretty damn old. And he's just like, don't bury me here because it's a foreign land. And I hate these people. <laughs> <laughs> bury me in the land of my father because Get I'm a racist. Get off my land. You stupid hooligans. It's like, I, it matters where I'm buried. So he basically dies, but the the whole thing is he confers his blessing to Joseph, who's essentially the second youngest. So in another kind of twist of fate, he decides on somebody younger, even though Joseph's like, dude, you can't do that. And especially all the brothers are like, we're going to die if that happens. (laughs) But luckily, Joseph's apparently a cool guy. It's like water under the bridge, brothers, water under the bridge. So you know what? I'll, I'll give it to Joseph. He's the nice guy. In the story, he's not well. Apart from that whole scaring the shit out of them, and then whatever. But he seems to be the only one who actually does nice things. And wonder why he's the favorite? Because he's not a dick bag who would sell his own fucking kin just because you don't like the fact that he has a nice coat. This seems kind of brutal. You had a sibling that sometimes got nicer gifts. Would you sell him to slavery, Carissa? Uh, Thinking about it. Thinking about this it. is not a conversation I have on the radio. <laughs> I think I think that's a situation with every uh with every sibling rivalry. Everybody thinks that somebody else is getting the better piece of the pie. Mm. But, but yeah. Okay, so the one thing that I haven't talked about, I guess, the one thing I forgot to mention is that Jacob was not always called Jacob. Remember when you asked me sort of what is the name of that what is the significance of the name Jacob because it means something? Mm-hmm. Okay, well he changed his name halfway through. Remember when I told you that he had basically, uh, um, oh no, I can, I, 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 I messed up. The, the, the period of time where he had that dream is actually while he's traveling. He has the dream while he's traveling, not while he's, has already all these kids. That is another episode. That episode, what happens then is that he wrestles with God. He's sort of like, by his lonesome, this weird stranger shows up. They wrestle. It's not quite clear why they wrestle. But they wrestle, all right? And they wrestle the whole night. They have like a 10-hour like wrestling, like, ah, no one has the advantage over the other, right? And then all of a sudden, just when you think that it's not going to end at all, the, the, the stranger does a crazy cheaty move <laughs> and hits him right in the thigh, like right where the, the, the socket gets on the, uh, the hip bone. All right. All right? Hits him right there. And from then on, by the way, Jacob always has a limp. So he gets hit right, which is the one thing we share in common. I have a bad hip right here. Ah. Bit of a bad hip. So he gets hit in the hip. It's a sign. And I'll tell you what, that's the reason Jews do not eat the meat of the hip because of that reason. Yep, that's how weird they are. That's pretty stupid, but they don't eat that meat. I'm like, why are you throwing away this meat? Eat the meat. Don't waste it. Anyways. But Jacob still has the other upper hand, so the angel, the, the, the stranger says, release me. And uh, Jacob says, not until you bless me. 
weird thing. So the uh, the mysterious stranger says, okay, from now on, your name is Israel. And what Israel means is one who struggles or one who wrestles with God. Mm-hmm. So that becomes the name of Jacob. Now, I would say probably if there was any poetic way to describe what I'm doing, that would be it, right? Jacob eventually becomes Israel, who eventually wrestles with God. Of course, I wrestle with an imaginary concept, but the wrestling is still real. <laughs> you can wrestle with a tackle dummy, and the tackle dummy is not alive, but it can still be very difficult, especially if everyone believes that the tackle dummy is winning, even though he's just a tackle dummy. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, there was three minutes where he was on top of you. I was wrestling a tackle dummy. <laughs> there was nothing there. Well, he was on top, so he had uh, he had domination. You're just like, what is going on here? This is the weirdest metaphor ever. I think it works. All right. I think the slight percentage of people who appreciate wrestling who listen to this podcast will get it, and they'll be like, unbelievable. This is our birthday gift. Come early. <laughs> All right, before we leave the show, because this is a long one, this was a long one, but I thought it would be interesting for everybody to know the story of Jacob because he is my name, my, my, the, the original nomenclature, why I'm called Jacob, be like, there was a biblical story with a man called Jacob. It's an arbitrary name, it just means like Buller, but it came to just be a proper name and that became my name. I think we should start calling you Israel. No, because <laughs> then I think about somebody in my high school called Israel Latampier, who was a gun maniac. To the point where he scared everyone he thought, like, most likely candidate to show up at a school shooting everybody. They have the vote for that? That's crazy. No, no, it's just an unofficial <laughs> vote. But, yes, he was, he, he was, that's what I think every time I hear the name Israel. I just think that. But I think it's also quite funny. I mean, actually, before we tie up the whole Jacob thing, I think it's important to mention, though, if you want to sort of, like, understand the way the Jews read the story, right, the way that they try to understand the story, is that for them, the story of Jacob is, is, is unsettling. They were like, yeah, they recognize the fact that he's lying, that he's being deceitful or whatever. And some of them interpret it as being, well, this is a sign of what things are to come, that our covenant with God is imperfect, that we're fucking up, and some of the things that happened to us may have been deserved. So it's interesting to see and to really contemplate. I suggest that if you want to do a little bit further reading on it, try to sort of like really understand the way the Jews see Jacob, because he is, he is their patriarch. But in a way, he is, he's very different from Isaac and Abraham because he is a bastard. And they have to kind of like put up with that. And I think that's probably the one thing I share the most in common. I'm a bastard. All right, let's talk about the, this book that I was just reading. It's going to be a, a fairly short round out. I want, I, want, I want people to read this book because this is really important. Uh, it's a book called Bad Science by Dr. Ben Goldacre. And really the book is mostly him talking about pseudoscience and uh, and and the way that it's interpreted by the media, the way that it's spun by media, like he, it's really. A, uh, a, I found that when I read this book, and this is why I recommend, and I and, and it's really not expensive. I think you can get it for like five bucks now, and it's been out for a little while. But the reason that I really like it is because it makes you understand the way that newspapers and the media distort science stories. Like you ever you ever really feel like sometimes oh they're always telling me that eggs are good for me and or eggs are bad for me and all this other kind of thing whenever you read science articles you feel like there's no real understanding about what's happening in nutrition right that's the general feeling well the reason you feel that is because as far as the media understands it science stories aren't about the way that science works like steady improvements and ref- like refinements of theories they believe that science is always breaking new ground which is totally obliterating old knowledge where it's reinventing itself all the time this is the concept <laughs> this is that conversation you had with everyone that said science is always changing and you're like no it's not you don't really see the way it is it changes over time gradually kind of like the way that things evolve um but the, the, what happens is that they decide, they, they selectively pick articles that they believe does this kind of thing, like a study that looks at saying, oh, well, there's a lot of dietary cholesterol in eggs, right? But the problem is they will take these studies and they will data mine the things that they're looking for and then make pronunciations like um, eating eggs increases your chance of heart attack by 50%. Now, the crazy thing is that when they're looking at the odds of saying, like, what are the risks of heart attacks from eating eggs, they may find a study with bad methodology, by the way, that still found that there was a, an increased risk in terms of the risk potential. Like, let's say there was a 5% risk that if you ate eggs, that you had a heart attack. And then all of a sudden you say there's a 10% chance that, you know, um, that, that, that 
or, or not even, I'll say 6% chance you're like that it may cause a heart attack. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, that's a huge increase. <laughs> but it's only, it's only an increase in one, a methodologically potentially flawed study, right? One study doesn't reveal shit. You have to look at many studies. You have to look at sort of like, you know, you, re- you really have to think, how do studies go wrong? You know, a study does not prove anything. But that's our perception. Reread, there was a study that was done. We're convinced that it's true. We never think about it again. So, of course, whenever they come over with just these these poor studies that are finding all these things that are unusual, they publish the things that are unusual, not understanding that if if they are unusual, they're usually wrong. That's a crazy thing, too. The, the, the most interesting meta study in the book that I read was one where they found that every piece of news that was brought up by a news organization that, that talked about something interesting was always wrong. <laughs> that was what they found. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you've ever been in the newspaper, you know that most of the time there's errors, right? Because it's, it's not just you. If you've ever read a newspaper and you're in the newspaper and you read and you go, wow, they got something wrong about me, that's every article. You know, it, it's just you only notice because you know the facts behind that one. Whenever you read a news story and you have any information, you're just like, oh, this particular one is wrong. They're all wrong. All of them are wrong. And there's really, unfortunately, here's the weird thing about the book. I felt like he he was targeting humanity students. I know that's weird, but he was always saying that humanity students were fucking everything up. So I have to believe, and if I can get an interview with him, I because I would love to talk about his book, and I would like to, to for, for for him to just talk about the 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 way that um you know vitamin pills and 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 homeopathy homeopathy pills and that kind of stuff how they keep a you know sort of like showing up how they how they stay relevant right like because that, that's the basic question how they manage to do that and this is what this book tries to answer so I really recommend it I'm going to put a link for it on the site again the name of the book is Bad Science and I think that by the time you finish reading it you'll have a better appreciation for when you're reading the news and you find some piece of it that says, like, oh, a chocolate eater is found to have higher life expectancy, right? You may start to sort of like, you, you can, from reading this book, have enough knowledge that you can look at the papers, the way that it's done, read the conclusions, and sort of like uh, ask yourself, really, is this what's being fairly reported? Is this what's actually the, the case? And I think that you'll be really surprised when you start doing it yourself just how often they get it wrong. It will freak you out. You're like, these are professionals that are doing this. What is going on? And I think that's the, that's the kind of, that, that's what I think everybody should be left with when they read that paper mm-hmm. or that book. Sorry. What is going on here? Well, have you ever talked to somebody about their, about their studies? I mean, I was talking to Gary Chick when I was doing the interview for that the show on uh, the power of play. Mm-hmm. And I found him through an article in Psychology Today. And, uh, and this article is making all these, uh, assumptions about, you know, vacation and the way vacation affects us. And I tried to bring it up with Gary and he was like, I don't want to talk about that. That had nothing to do with my paper. I, they, they, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, well, that does <laughs> I will talk about me. what my paper was actually about, what my research has actually been about, and it's not about vacations. <laughs> well, serious academics don't want to be associated with bad research. So anytime, like you have to understand that every study will have a flaw in it. And it's just the size of that flaw. Uh, there was this one thing that actually kind of, that I really liked. It was, um, he kept on mentioning this one institute called the Cochrane Institute, I believe it was called. And the reason it was called that is because they, they, they did a study, I believe it was in the 1970s. There were a bunch of independent studies that were done to find out whether or not a speci- specific kind of steroid helped, uh, prevent premature births. Some of the studies found that no, some of them found that yes, so there's a lot of noise, right? They just didn't know how to basically interpret it. So what they did was they did a meta-study, and that's what the Cochrane Institute did, and it found that overwhelmingly, yes, it did influence. In most of the papers, there was a positive one compared to the negative one. So they had found, through this meta-analysis, what was working what wasn't. And it's it's part of the diagram. Their logo of the institute is that graph. (laughs) <laughs> because they're like, this is a significant graph. This graph saved lives. And for them, this represents a kind of change, if you want, in the way that um, medicine has looked at itself. Because up until the 1930s, uh, Goldacre will admit, Dr. Goldacre will admit that they were in the dark ages, that essentially all they could do was offer you comfort. But then they started developing drugs, treatments, real science in medicine, where people were actually living longer, where they were finding ways to inoculate against disease or treat things with antibiotics. It blew their fucking mind. Okay, until then it was just like, I've given him some root of some kind that I found outside, so I hope he's gonna survive. <laughs> Now they had real, yeah, now they had real 
real science. So medical science changed significantly. Part of that graph represents that. And if you can imagine how much of an insult and an injury it is for anyone who actually cares about that science, who realizes um, the way that it's distorted, that's why I think that you should read that book. And I think that he'll uh, he'll give you that appreciation. So read Bad Science by, by uh, Dr. Ben Goldacre. Go to the site, click on the link, and uh, and go read the book. Does that sound like a fair summary? That's my book summary, everybody. I spent I like days reading it, but I quite enjoy it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? We'll wrap this up. I'd like to thank everybody who's a contributing member, uh, especially now that it's my birthday uh, and I'm turning 31. So you get to uh, witness it, I guess, again for another time. Another. Well, I've had multiple birthdays on shows, so I'm sure they're oh, okay. quite well aware. I've had birthdays before. This thing has been going on for a while now. You have a birthday every year? I know. It's unbelievable. It's and people have to be prepared for it. Hope you're prepared for it. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I think that is a no. All right, with that, my name is Jacob Forte. And I'm Brother Hendricks. Have a good atheist day, everybody. Hello, and welcome to the Good Atheist Podcast. You, you seriously think so? That's a yeah. good idea. That's a good idea. Can we try you first, and then I'll do it, and then if yours is hilariously bad, I'll put it at the end. <laughs> How about that with that arrangement? Hey, look, I can embarrass myself during the whole show, so you have to risk the embarrassment as well. Does that sound fair? Come on, be gutsy with me. <laughs> be gutsy? Come on, gutsy's the same as stupid. Be, what? Yeah, it's like uh, Back to the Future. What are you, chicken? Which is the ultimately, I'm going to easily control you because you have an anger problem. Yeah. That's what uh, Marty McFly learns. All right. I don't know if I get through without laughing. You just gotta do it. I can't do it. Come on, just do it. You gotta try to do it. I'm not gonna do it. Come on, then. do it. Okay. Hello, and welcome to the Good Atheist.net podcast. I'm Carissa Hendricks. I'm Jacob Forte. <laughs> I like how you just got like, you're like, I don't have to I didn't, participate. I, didn't even, I, should, I thought you weren't gonna make it. Like, there's no way she's gonna make it. <laughs> I made it. I'm an actress. What do you want? Oh. Ooh. Nominated. Not award nominated award actress, nominated. which means I'm not quite good enough. That's what that means to me. Hey, second is only the first loser. <laughs>